Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Uh, we're grateful for a little snow uh, coming over the last few days. That's a good thing. We've been in drought uh, for a long time, and that's created a host of problems. And during the time of drought, d- drought the people who are often feeling the most pressure are Utah's farmers. Uh, this community has adapted perhaps more than any other to properly manage our water resources while providing the critical care of crops and animals that we all depend on and we often forget. <laughs> we need to remember uh, that we depend on them for our food, our fiber, all those other goods. And so we want to get in a little bit in terms of what's going on behind the scenes, some things that you may not be thinking about uh, that our farmers are doing in innovation, uh, things that they are doing to be part of the solution when it comes to dealing with the drought and the water issues. And really pre- pleased, as always, to have Ron Gibson, the head of the Utah Farm Bureau, on the line with us. Ron, thanks for jumping on. Well, thanks for having us today. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this uh, pretty quick here in terms of uh, where we are and uh, what are the farmers and ranchers. Uh, of course, it's easy to point fingers and say, well, they're using a lot of water to, to grow those crops and uh, feed that cattle. Uh, what are the Utah farmers doing to be part of the solution? Well, um, you know, as I look at as I look at agriculture today compared to what it was many years ago, um, we use a lot of technology to make sure that we're taking every drop of water seriously that comes onto our farms. We have, we use a lot of pivot irrigation um, on my farm. We we do a lot of drip irrigation, so we have lines buried in the ground that um, just omit a teeny bit of water next to the plants every three or four days. Um, and then we have flood irrigation that that we use with uh, laser leveled fields, so that nothing's wasted and it's all you know. It just covers the field exactly like we want it to do. Um, farmers and ranchers have, have done a really good job of, of accepting innovation and and uh, being very cautious with the water use that we have in the state. Yeah, I, I know one of the things that you did at your uh, big uh, gala and your uh, your big gathering, your annual convention, uh, which was down in Provo just a few weeks ago, and it was uh, I'll tell you, it was a privilege for me to be there uh, amongst an extraordinary group of Utah farmers and ranchers. Uh, that's just a powerful crowd, and uh, you uh, you gave out some awards. Uh, in terms of some of those uh, ranches and ranchers that uh, are really being innovative and uh, and conserving and, and showing that we can be careful stewards and we can be innovative and we can deliver the things that we need to for the people, not just here in the state of Utah, but around the world. 
Yeah, we. I don't know. I mean, this is not Grandpa's agriculture. This is like anything that that we deal with today. You know, we got these iPhones and we have, you know, fancy cars, fancy, fancy everything that we have today in our fancy little world that we live in. But the reality of it is, is agriculture has adapted to technology just like everything else. And um, the one thing that we can't get past, though, is that we have to have food. And in order for us to have food, we have to have water, we have to have land, and of course we have to have the weather that brings us those kind of things to sunshine. And and that's that's what we have to do. I mean those are those are simple things that we'll never get away with no matter how cool our world is and how fancy we get, we're still gonna need that. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, I know you celebrated one uh, family in particular, the the, the Mirren family, uh, that uh, got the uh, Crystal Award uh, as part of the kind of their innovation and what they're they're doing. What is it that they're doing that's uh, that's really kind of leading out? Well, they they have uh, have received they received that award because of their conservation practices of of securing the water, making sure that the water quality is better than than after it came to their place. You know, it's funny sometimes, you know, like where I am, where I am on the Weaver River, you know, we're there right before the water goes in the lake. And so, you know, there's every parking lot all through, all through Ogden drains into that Weaver River. But um, sometimes people look at agriculture because for water quality issues, you know, and we, we always work to make sure in agriculture that we're clearer, that we're better off, that we're better off with the water, with the land after we're done using it than we were before. Mm-hmm. And the award that they received was the Leopold Award. That's given by the Sands County Foundation and Farm Bureau, Western Ag Credit. We have some different partners about that, but um, that's an award that's given to farmers and ranchers that that um, are especially good protectors of our environment. And uh, they're a neat family. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's great. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's uh, bigger entrepreneurs or risk takers on the planet <laughs> than our farmers and ranchers. And we often don't think of them. You know, we, we celebrate these uh, tech giants who take these big, huge risks. And if you want to talk about m- making and taking risks every year, 
Uh, it's our farmers and ranchers uh, who do bet the ranch every year on a whole host of things and, and do an extraordinary job. What are some of the other things going on uh, with uh, your group and with our farmers and ranchers that we ought to be thinking about as we roll towards the end of this year? Well, I, I appreciate you asking that question and, and bringing that perspective. You know, one of the things that I think in the fall of the year, I was just, I'm out in D.C. today uh, meeting with some people, and I was flying out here, I was just thinking to myself about what a year we had. And we started this year with, the, you know, the crazy drought. We had that crazy winter and um, not much moisture, and we had that cold, dry spring, and somehow we, we got the farm. I mean, people don't understand what that means, I guess, but like thousands and, and actually in our case, millions of dollars we invest into the soil to try to get those crops back. And as I reflect about that in the fall, I just think about what a beautiful blessing it is that, that Heavenly Father made it all work for us, you know, that we, we were able to get the crops, we were able to take care of our animals. And and uh, that's, that's just an amazing thing that happens, seems like, every year. And, you know, right now we have... We have a lot of issues about what's going on in the Great Salt Lake, and yeah. we're worried about that. We're, yeah. we're really worried about that. Great Salt Lake's at the lowest point that it's ever been, but um, we we have to make we have to make sure that as we as we take measured steps now to correct that problem, that we don't do things that are going to affect other parts of our ecosystem. Right. Um, you know, there, you know, there's even been a little bit of talk about, you know, paying farmers not to farm and send their water out to the Great Salt Lake. That's a really scary thing for us because yeah. we don't want we don't want our farms and ranches to go out of business that'll never come back, so that we can fix a temporary problem with the Great Salt Lake. Yeah. And you know, we're on we're on we're on to a great year. Like we're getting we're getting a great snowpack and. You know, I feel really, really encouraged about how that all happens. But, you know, there's only one guy that can fix this problem. And uh, I think he's going to help us out this year. All right. Well, great stuff. Ron Gibson, head of the Utah Farm Bureau. Always appreciate your perspective. Uh, you have a, a very happy holiday and Merry Christmas. Thanks, Boyd. All right, great insight there from Ron Gibson. Uh, so important, our, our farmers and ranchers, uh, they are the ultimate risk takers, and uh, they're, they're doing everything they can to be part of the solution. I think that's the important thing in all of this, uh, and to make sure that we're not just changing one problem for another. Uh, when it comes to those family farms in particular, we've got to make sure that, yeah, we're doing all the things we can to conserve and to make sure we're good stewards of the land. Nobody's a better steward of the land than most of those farmers. They're, they're amazing. Uh, but we got to figure out a way to do it better and to do it with an eye towards the long term. That wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for top of the hour news. Much more to come in hour number two here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, 
A woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.